great day, amazing human. Welcome to the Empowered In My Skin podcast, where our mission is to help 1 billion people in this world think in more empowering ways. Empower humans, empower humans. So you are in the right spot to become a lead domino for empowerment today. My name is Inke Chi. I'm not only your host, but I am a vibrant optimist obsessed to bring you empowering content with each episode. We will be bringing you content alternating between longer episodes with feature guests and shorter episodes called Empowering Bites, where I'll be joined by my co-host, Gabby Mamone. So if you're ready, let the show begin. Yes, great day, amazing humans, and welcome to the third episode of the My Third Bloom podcast series here on the Empowered of My Skin podcast, and I'm so excited. I'm joined by my co-host. That's me, Trisha Blake. I am the CEO and CAO, which is Chief Awesome Officer of My Third Bloom, uh, because it's time to redefine and change the narrative on how women view aging and the changes happening to their bodies as they age gracefully. So our mission is really to empower women going through perimenopause and menopause by providing a supportive, inclusive community that offers education, resources, and support uh, to destigmatize, demystify the whole experience, break down barriers to open conversations, and leverage technology to enhance the well-being of women going through this phase of life. Yes, and now you know I have a powerful co-host, but we're not alone. We have a guest with us. Oh my gosh, a guest expert, loving this. So her, she is her evidence, right? Is based on naturopathic doctor working in Vaughan, Ontario. She is a passionate advocate for holistic health with a special focus on guiding individuals through the hormonal health journey with a keen interest in transformative stage of menopause. She stands out in her field as one of the few naturopathic doctors in North America to proudly bear the title of NAMS Certified Menopause Practitioner. She's an active member of the International Society of Study of Women's Sexual Health and has level one pelvic floor physiotherapy training. She recognizes that there is interconnectedness of overall well-being and many aspects often get overlooked. She's dedicated and passionate about creating awareness and guiding her patients through every step of their journey. So welcome to another insightful episode where we will have an engaging conversation about all things related to menopause with a special focus on sexual and vaginal health. We're going to talk about vaginas, y'all. So join us on giving a warm podcast. Welcome to Dr. Dolores Fernandez. Hello. Thank you. So I have to tell you right out of the gate. Trisha told me that you love talking about vaginas. So I was like, oh, this is good. I do because nobody else does. And somebody's got to do it, right? And then we were wondering, do you know like all the different ways that vaginas are called in different cultures? Not. Probably not. No. And so Trisha's Jamaican, Jamaican, what do they call them in Jamaica? Oh my goodness. Pum pum. <laughs> no, but that's a, that's a, that would be a fun project. Yeah. <laughs> we can figure that out. We were like, I wonder if she knows it's called Pum Pum in Jamaica. <laughs> I know what it's called in Nigeria, but I anyway, we'll go with the Jamaica one. So awesome. So, so thank you for joining us today. And we're really, really excited to get into this uh, topic with you. And so out of the bit, like, could you actually just maybe share your journey? First of all, like why 
why have you, like, what led you to having this desire and this passion to really focus on menopause? Yeah. Um, first, I just want to say I'm super honored to be here to chat with you guys about it. I can feel the excitement and passion, both of you guys, and that makes me really happy because I'm super passionate. And so it's fun um, to talk to people who are also as passionate. Um, but to answer your question, I it's funny because I always say menopause found me. I mm. wasn't looking to be working in menopause. I was in naturopathic school, and um, I think my first experience with it was actually while I was in school, my mom was going through menopause and, um, you know, every textbook symptom you can think of is what she was feeling. And so the first person she turned to naturally was me. And she was like, you know, you're studying all this stuff. You should be able to help me. Right. And I was like, um, yeah, I didn't take that. I, I didn't learn anything about menopause, but we will find somebody that can help you. And so we went to her family doctor. We went to, we got sent to specialists and I went to all her appointments with her. We see naturopaths, like we were desperate, um, opened every book I knew to try to learn about it and nothing was really working. Wow. And so I, she was my guinea pig. I always say like I was trying everything on her. Um, and eventually I decided like, this is not going to be enough. I'm going to have to go get further education, even if it means things that are outside of my scope. Mm. I need to go learn about things that I don't have access to because I can't watch this anymore. Like, um, like as some, like so close to my mom, like you can see it, you can see the person changing in so many ways. And so I did. And I ended up like with all this time, you know, I was finishing school. I always started working and I, um, I actually found a mentor who is also heavily into the menopause world and naturopath. And she encouraged me to do the certification that I have. And I, I just did continuing education in menopause, menopause, menopause. And slowly that just started being what was walking into my office. Um, when I originally finished school, I thought I would have a focus in fertility and help young, young families build their family. And that is not who walked in. It was menopause. Um, and at the starts, I didn't even know how to help my patients because I, I you know, we would do all the basics. We would do the, the important stuff, the lifestyle things, but it wasn't always enough for people. And so as I just kept going, I was like, I, I had, somebody has to help these people because there's nobody. Mm. Um, and so I decided that was going to be me. And then with time, uh, now I would say 95% of my practice is menopausal patients. Mm. And I would say just that 5% is almost like favors. Sometimes I'll see my patients, kids and stuff like that. <laughs> but I try to exclusively see it because I really, I don't think you can know everything. Mm. So I decided that because in Ontario, naturopaths aren't, technically allowed to specialize mm -hmm. we're allowed to kind of like focus on things and I just decided like I can't be good at everything and so I'm just going to put all my energy into the menopausal transition and learn everything I can and then from there evolved the like vaginal pelvic stuff um and and honestly the the, if I had to put it into one sentence, it's it's because nobody's doing it. Yeah. And so now menopause is having a moment. Menopause is, it's getting more airtime. Like people are talking about, about it a little bit more, but there's definitely aspects to it that are still not talked about, um, like the sexual piece and um, 
one of you guys before we started said the word shame and that is that comes up a lot in the sexual health world and even in the vaginal health world like things change and I know shame is a big emotion people feel Mm -hmm. so I like to just try to normalize things with my patients and so and I love a challenge too right so if nobody's doing it bring it on I love that. Bring it on. <laughs> bring it on here. Let's go. Let's bring it on. First bring it on here. Let's go. So just, um, you know, thinking of sexual and vaginal health, I'm sure that is incredibly confusing. Like, you know, everything is working. All of a sudden, it it's not working as well. Or mm-hmm. something is going on and that's a challenge, you know, for women and to even speak about it. How do you help your patients understand those specific changes that are happening in their bodies during this, this stage, during the menopausal transition? First, I like to normalize things. That's probably like off the get-go, like the, the thing they need to know is that they're not the only one experiencing it. Uh, like, it's like, of women that transition through menopause are going to experience vaginal dryness and maybe even vaginal atrophy. And that's huge. Like that's most people. And so first I like to tell them stats because I'm like, Hey, listen, like, it's not just you. There's nothing wrong with you. And I have a nice, um, like pelvic floor model. I have a vulva model and I like pull it out and I'm just like, let's just take the EBGBs out, like take the elephant out of the room. This is what we're talking about. Um, and I just try to normalize it. I would say that would be the first thing I do uh, is normalize it and explain the changes that happen sometimes even before they mention they're experiencing it because that normalizes it. Right. Yeah. So before they even tell me open the conversation, I, yeah, I bring it up. Um, I, and that would probably, I, I really believe in education. I think that when my patients are educated, they are empowered mm-hmm. and that's where I start. So I, I'm, it's a lot of times at the beginning phases, it's like, let me teach you about your body. Mm-hmm. Let me give you the conversation that you didn't get. Just like you got one when you got your period and you started with your menses. <laughs> let me give you the talk when you're leaving and how everything is going to change now. And so I really, I start with education. So educate to elevate. So I have an education question. I'm going to probably share very intimately um, only because you have pulled it out of me. (laughs) So you, you did this a bit. Um, So when you said vaginal atrophy, and it's interesting because as an athlete, I know what atrophy means, right? The muscle weakens. So interestingly enough, and you know, maybe putting myself on blast a bit, I'm, I'm 51. I just turned 51 this September and in sex recently, like, there's the whole baby squeeze, right? <laughs> like, sorry. And, um, and I felt like in my head the last little while, like, like when you said that, I realized my head was telling me, why doesn't the squeeze feel as tight as it's been in the past? Right. And so I, we don't, I don't have kids. Right. So I, I, I know. So for me, I was like, why am I like, am I not practicing like my muscle, not moving it? So this is the first I'm actually hearing about vaginal atrophy. So I don't know. Can you talk a little bit more? Yeah. Like, yeah, please. Yeah. So most of the pelvic floor is actually, um, I don't want to say controlled by, but there's a lot of estrogen receptors down there and, it, and it's the entire pelvic floor, not just the vagina, the urethra, the anus, all of it, like the whole pelvic floor, lots of estrogen. And so as you transition through menopause, you lose that estrogen. 
And that is, a, it's a big piece to a lot uh, down there. It's a big piece to the muscles. It's a big piece to um, lubrication and your own moisture. It's a, it changes the pH and the type of bacteria that's in the vaginal canal. And so there's a lot of things that we see change as people transition, um, atrophy just being one of them. And it's usually not what brings people in. What pe- brings people in to talk about it is dryness. Or the smell? Mm-hmm. Does it change? Like, does it create smells? Or the smell it- can change a little bit, mostly because of the pH. Mm-hmm. So the estrogen changes the pH. Mm-hmm. The pH changes... Um, the pH changes the ability for certain microbes to thrive. Mm-hmm. So you want to have like a nice low pH in the vagina around a four, 4.5 at the mm-hmm. most. Mm-hmm. And what will usually happen in my menopause patients, if we were to check the pH, they'll be closer to seven or eight, mm-hmm. which means that uh, bacteria can grow. So we see some more yeast infections. We might see BV. We might see more UTIs. Mm-hmm. So uh, sorry. I know. No, no <laughs> ask me. You, you know what it is? I was like, this is the vagina monologues. This is what this is what this feels like. We have the vagina I feel like I could, I, could, I could just so identify with this. So question for you. Mm-hmm. When you do feel the dryness and you said the patients come in because of that. So in my particular, I'm not trying to make this about me, but I'm, I'm assuming there's probably other women that are listening to us and maybe can, can, um, can identify with it. So it's not about going to the first step, which is going to use lubricants. We should, should is this something that we should go and see a doctor, get checked out? And there's some, there's some solutions. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked this. Um, and the reason I'm so glad is because everybody's wondering this, really. Um, there is solutions. There is. So what we usually say we start with is the non-hormonal stuff. So we may do vaginal moisturizers. Definitely a lube. Like I am in this point where everybody over 40 should be using a lube. It's just like just to reduce the friction uh, mm. makes a difference on the, the cells. Mm. And then so first line would be any vaginal moisturizers and lube and then if we're not seeing improvement with that we can always do vaginal estrogen and there's different types of vaginal estrogen and what i like to remind people is that vaginal estrogen is local to the vagina so if you have hot flashes it's not getting rid of them so if there's no increased risk for anything which is a whole other conversation about hrt and risks but all the risks that you think are associated with it there is none vaginally it's local so if i really can't move the needle with moisturizers we might start talking about estrogens Mm. (laughs) so yeah there's tons of there's tons of treatment options i mean then we if it's just dryness and like that has a name now it's called gsm genital urinary syndrome of menopause that is what the the diagnosis is called but you'd be surprised like i've done a lot of physical exams on people and there's other stuff happening it's not just dryness related to um, menopause right i actually i've caught a vulvar cancer on one of my patients because she refused to be checked because she was like it's just dryness it's just dryness and i was like before i prescribe you hormones i'd like to do a physical exam Mm -hmm. and i was like i I don't know if it might just be dryness, but I like it's skin, right? Like yeah. we get the rest of our skin checked. Yeah. Wow. So why not this? This is such an important <laughs> conversation that we do not have. No. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not talking to Inkichi about my pom pom. So let's just say that. <laughs> <laughs> Nor am I, like I literally just spoke to the world about my pom pom. Like you've never spoken to me about your, but you're putting yourself out on blast. But, but anyway. this is my third bloom. This is right, it exactly. Right. 
Right. right. That's the whole thing is like talking about the things that people, people don't even know who to talk to. So yes. sometimes my patients come in and it's not on the list of their concerns. It's not a list. It's not on the list of things we're about to talk about, but I bring it up. And when I bring it up all of a sudden, it's like, Oh, like, you know how to help me. I did. I just assumed this was just something I had to live with. Yeah. Um, and then I get excited because I'm yeah. like, yes. and, to, and to everyone, <laughs> I mean, Trish, Trish is coming with a question, but I just want to share with anyone that's listening. Like, I actually feel sweaty and I felt sweaty asking the question, but I feel so much better having mm. asked. You were excited to answer it and you gave me information that is going to now empower me. Right. So anyway, I, that's why I think it's important to, for us to talk about it. So Trisha, that's you know, what it's about. <laughs> what's coming up for you? So for me, it's just some of the common misconceptions or myths about menopause. Um, what are some of those that you, you come across in your practice? And I think you touched on like hot flashes and, oh, you could use any kind of estrogen. But what are, what are some of these things? Because mm-hmm. we're going to do some myth busting right now. Ooh, there's so many. Uh, I, we're, we're in the era of TikTok, right? So I got all my patients come in with like a list of TikToks that they want to open and show me and say like, what about this? And what about that? Um, so there's a lot out there, which is hard because there's so many people sharing and I think it's great. And it's so amazing to have these platforms where we can share, but it's hard to tease out, right? Like, what do you believe? Um, so I would say my like... Maybe I'll pick my top three. That yeah, perfect, perfect. One would be that hormones cause cancer. That hormone replacement causes cancer, which I don't think we could dive into that just because it's a huge topic. Um, They don't. There was a lot of flaws to the papers that came out. And if you guys ever wanted to chat about it, I would be happy to. But that would be number one. Um, My number two would probably be that intermittent fasting is the best diet for people in menopause. (laughs) That's a big one out there. What's what? So it's a misconception. I it's, the answer to it is probably that there is no best diet. Okay. It's probably just the one you can stick to is oh. the best diet, right? When people uh, come in and they've done intermittent fasting because their social media friend told them to, and they're suffering from migraines and they're not sleeping and they're hungry, maybe it's just not the best for you. Mm. That would yeah. probably be my second, um, and. Maybe my third would be just that the lifestyle changes that we can make, like resistance training and proper sleep and community make a bigger impact on your health than people know. So meaning that that is some, that is a, people think not, and you're saying it is actually very true. It will help you. Yes. Yes. Like I have to really dive into the conversations before I can get somebody to pick up a weight Mm -hmm. to do resistance training. And, um, it's a big part of my practice is like getting people to do it just because I know the value of it. Mm -hmm. Um, and they really, they walk in and they really think it's not, Mm -hmm. I was, we had another one. interview and I was sharing that I was listening to Dr. Gabrielle Lyon. Uh, I don't mm-hmm. know her personally and just found her on uh, YouTube. And, and the reason why is because I'm a bodybuilder. And so I wanted to, with the whole intermittent fasting and all this, I recognize that I have to think differently than I've thought about diet and training. Um, but she's a huge proponent of the skeletal muscle and, and women increasing um, muscle building. So I've actually upped my already you know, a muscle game and decreased my cardio. And I'm finding I'm loving the changes that my body is feeling. Like even today I was, I, you know, I, I was like, Oh, I see it. It's coming. You know, it's just, it's to your point, you have to stick to it. 
You got to stick to it. I think that anything that is lifestyle is like the key to it is consistency. Yeah. Right. You can't give things two, three days and expect change. So looking at the time, we, we could, we, so she's, I would say she's mental, mental geek. Like she loves, she can talk about this topic all the time. And I'm, I'm actually feeling more like empowered more so. So I probably got a very personal, um, but would love to really use the rest of the time talking about some solutions, right? Like, um, I know you just talked about misconceptions, but when women come to you, like, what are some of your top solutions that may be more um, traversal, like, you know, um, broad, like more women can, these would help more women than not, right? Like versus individual solutions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I like the way you worded that, because when I do work with people, it's so important to me that it is individual. Like yeah. I really do try to practice individualized medicine, but um, not to be repetitive, but weight training is huge mm-hmm. uh, or muscle. I usually tell people the more muscle you can build on yourself, uh, the better for so many things, mm-hmm. longevity for your bone quality, mental health, all of that. But does uh, it, oh, so sorry on that. Does it take lo- like, is it take longer? Is that a misconception that it takes longer in menopause than it does outside? It's a little, it's a, it's a hard question to answer because basically we know that as we age, we will lose muscle if we do nothing, right? Mm-hmm. And so until about 30, we'll just continue to, after 30, we will just continue to lose muscle. We also don't absorb protein as well as we age. So as usually around that menopausal transition, women are not absorbing the muscle, the protein from their diet as well. And so if you don't have the building blocks for that muscle, mm-hmm. um, it's not going to be great either. So it's different. It's like a multifactorial, I guess Mm -hmm. is the best way to put that, but it's, it's more challenging for sure. And is that because at this age, people are just busier and have different priorities Mm -hmm. or not pushing themselves Mm -hmm. as hard, or is it a hormonal thing? We don't fully know the answer to that. Um, yeah, that's that one. I, I'm pretty big pusher of the this, the resistance training. And the second would probably be protein, protein intake. I talk a lot about that with my patients too. And and big reason is that um, that absorption piece where we absorb less as we age. So your needs kind of go up uh, to support your metabolism, to support the muscle, mm-hmm. all that. Um just to go on the vaginal side, I kind of mentioned moisturizers. Mm-hmm. Moisturizers are fantastic, but they're not all made the same. Same thing as lube. They're they're not all made the same. Mm-hmm. And so if you're purchasing a moisturizer, I like people to look that the main ingredient is hyaluronic acid. Mm-hmm. That's uh, That is what's pretty much that's all that's researched really. Vitamin E is researched a little bit too. I probably would choose one that had both, uh, like a hyaluronic acid and a vitamin E um, for a moisturizer. And that could be used like a moisturizer, just like you moisturize your face. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> that's skin. in a lot of uh, facial moisturizers as well. And when they're talking about anti-aging creams and things mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. And then same thing with lube. There's like, they're not all made the same. I know a lot of people have a preference for water-based. Water-based is um, it's the most delicate, though, so it's the only one that needs quite a bit of preservative to keep it. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you do water-based, now pH matters, osmolarity matters, yeah. preservatives matter, ingredients matter, and there is a lot to learn about those things. And what I tell people is what you could, what somebody's body can handle when you're 20 is not the same when you're 50. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. Right. Because of all those things we talked about, about the pH already being a little bit high, about the different microbes that could be living there. You don't want to just use necessarily something that's just easily available and cheap. Mm -hmm. You Mm want to probably look at those things just to decrease your risk for infection. Wow. I have a quick question on that. Is there are there any natural type moisturizers or lubricants if if people are like, I really want it to be as close to nature as possible? So this is where it's hard because natural is a hard word for me because things can be natural, but not be great for you. Right. So mm-hmm. I know coconut oil gets a lot of like spotlight. Right. Yes. Um, and with, and uh, coconut oil is one of the ones I don't love. People use it for moisturizers and lube. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. And I don't love it for people. I, it's not a great pH and it's also a little bit of uh, antimicrobial, which means it might kill off some of the good stuff that's in there. Mm-hmm. Right. And so it's personal like preference and tolerance. It's also oil based. So it stains things mm-hmm. versus something that's water based. Messy sheets. So, pardon? Messy sheets. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, um, so like, I don't, I'm not gonna lie. I don't love the word natural. I would, for what me, would you use? What would you, what would be the, uh, the best word? I, I think I would just like clean, clean because yeah. you want things that are not going to cause, like, they're not harmful mm-hmm. preservatives. Like, cause if we need preservatives, we need them. You want to try to pick the ones that are better. And then I like to use things that are also evidence-based, right? So if yeah. all the research that's ever been done for moisturizers has always been on hyaluronic acid and vitamin E. We know it's safe. We know it works. I just don't like to waste people's money and time. Yeah. Well, I can appreciate that. Appreciate thank that. You. <laughs> right. Yeah, and like, there's some good, amazing quality ones out there that are not expensive. And then there's these like funky mixes of things that are really expensive. And I'm like, Hey, if it works, it works. Uh, for me, because I'm a practitioner and I treat people, I try to go with evidence because most of the time people fit into that average. And then, you know, you have the person that doesn't like hyaluronic acid and that's okay. Mm. We try other things. Wow. I'm coming to see you, man. <laughs> Hope you're yes, please. <laughs> so as we wrap up, you know, please tell us how our community, um, Empowered My Skin and My Third Bloom can connect with you and access more valuable information and resources about menopause and sexual health. I would probably say right now the best place is Instagram. Mm-hmm. I am not great on Instagram, but I try. It's uh, it's a full-time job. Yeah, that a, I know. Right? Some people, I'm like, how oh, we'll keep it up. Yeah. So my, my handle is Dr. Dolores ND and that's probably your best bet. I do try to screen my, my DMS every couple days. I do get quite a few. Um, I work in a clinic in Bonn, Ontario, but I am open to seeing patients all over Ontario awesome. virtually. Awesome. Awesome. I love it. And so, um, as a parting question, which is more standard for the podcast, it's called empowered in my skin. And, you know, thinking about menopause and women aging, we'd love you to sort of share with us what that, what that means to you. Hmm. I think that with the menopausal transition, people could really feel like they lose themselves. They, they, and, and it's their whole skin, like the way they look, uh, they're, their tolerance, their irritability, their vaginal changes. And 
I really do my best to try to empower people in their skin and whoever they are. And a piece of it is acceptance that you're not your 20 year old self anymore. And your life has changed a lot. And let's just embrace it and feel empowered in who you are now, instead of trying to hold on to an older version of you. Um, that's not really still there, but you've changed. Yeah. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Thank you. Thank you, Dr. Yeah. Dolores. I, this is so awesome, so informative, and uh, definitely fed our geek. <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. Like, excited. Let's, what's the next conversation <laughs> happening? So, you know, to everyone that's listening, we trust that this was really informative. There's some stuff that I'm sure you're Googling already, and uh, mm-hmm. we'll drop links. And uh, thank you so much for being part of this amazing, important series and helping us to amplify this, uh, this very important topic for women. Absolutely. And Trisha? We're out. out. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> there you have it. I trust you are feeling more empowered in your skin. As the late Dr. Maya Angelou said, when you get, you give. When you learn, you teach. So it would mean so much for us at EIMS if you would share this episode and tag us or teach an insight that you took from today's episode on your socials and tag us. Feel free to leave us a review over at iTunes and follow us on social media at Empowered of My Skin. Finally, remember to subscribe so you never miss an episode. See you soon.